Hi, I'm Josh Shearer and I serve as the lead pastor here at Gawley Uniting Church. I wanted to personally thank you for joining us today. We exist as a church to see lives transformed with the good news of Jesus. Now, I hope this service inspires you. I hope it blesses you. I hope it builds your faith and I hope it gives you perspective that God is moving in your life. If there is anything that we can do to help you, don't be afraid to reach out on social media or email our office. Thanks for joining us again and let's get to the service. It's pretty exciting to um, see our young people heading out on a, on a, a walk, a walk around our town to, uh, to pray for it, to, to, to listen to what God might be wanting to say to us. And, and um, in some ways, it's a, a great segue into what we're talking about this morning. So if you've been with us the last couple of weeks, we've been journeying our way through an idea uh, about what it, what it means to hear from God. And the, the series title is Here I Am. If you need it to be explained, it's here, hearing, I am, as in that's the name that God gives himself. So hearing from God and what does that look like? And to be honest, it's a big question for many of us in our life because we want to know. I don't know about you, but as a follower of Jesus, in following Jesus, I want to know what it is that God wants me to do with my life. I want to know what it is that I ought, or the sorts of decisions I should be making to live in a way that's in accordance with what God has planned for my life. And I know that's true of many of you as well, that your personal journey, you've asked me at different times, Josh, I'm not quite sure what God wants me to do in this, in this time, or I'm having trouble hearing from God on this issue. And so I thought it would be, would be helpful for us to take a few weeks to talk about this. And, and in the early weeks, we, we discovered that for the most part, our ability to hear from God requires a couple of key things to already be in place. And, and one of them is our ability to be not distracted, frankly. To, to turn our eyes away from something that's already got our attention in the world, and whatever it is, something that has, is our all-consuming focus in our life, to, to, to divert our eyes from that and to turn our eyes to the ways that God has already revealed Himself to us and wants to speak. And when we looked at the story of Moses, and Moses in the burning bush, many of you know it well, and Moses, in the, in the original Hebrew, it says that he looked away from something that he was doing and looked towards the burning bush. And for many of us, the main barrier to us hearing from God is our unwillingness to look away from what's already got our focus and to look towards the thing that God is doing, which is already extraordinary in our life. It's, it's, the burning bush was pretty extraordinary. It was burning, but it wasn't burning up. How many extraordinary things is God already doing in our life that we ought to be paying attention to and through them? He might be trying to speak. And Glennis explored this idea a little bit further last week. And, and what I want to do is, for the, with the rest of our time together is to answer the big question that many of you are asking of saying, okay, so God speaks, great. How can I hear from God? How do I hear from God? 
How do I understand what he's saying to me? Where do I turn? What do I need to know? And so I want to spend with, with the time that we've got, I want to move fast this morning and be super practical with you about what it means to hear from God. How does that sound? Because I've actually got questions this week already of, of what does God want me to do in this situation? How does God want me to take a next step? Or what, is, what does God have to say about this idea? And so I want to do my best to offer a little bit on a lot this morning. We're going to fly our way through a stack of Scripture, highlighting the different things that I'm talking about. But I think... I think something that God has been telling me through this is that I need to come and come back and explore this again. And so we might have to do a series on each of these points, like as in a week on each of the points that I'm going to touch on this morning. And so let that be the caveat or the, the asterisk or the risk marker this morning of the time it's going to take for me to, to go through this. And if we don't get through it all, I'm sorry in advance. If you've got something, you go, oh, I wish Josh had talked about that. Well, I, I wanted to honor your time this morning. And so that's what I want to spend the rest of our time looking at this morning. So the question is, specifically, practically, how do we know that God is speaking and where do we look? Well, the first, the first place I wanted to stop was in a passage from, from uh, First Kings. It's one that you might well be familiar with. I'm not sure if you heard, uh, heard from it last week or not. But it's so often in our life, hearing from God is not about whether God is speaking or not. It's about whether we are quiet enough to hear, whether we're listening for the right thing. See, God, in, in um, uh, First Kings chapter 19... He, he encounters, let's see if I can find the right one, or is it going to be up on the screen? First Kings chapter 19, verses 11 to 13. Elijah, one of the great prophets, he's having a conversation with the Lord. A whole bunch has gone on in his life. He's feeling pretty sad and pretty despondent. And, the God, and God says to him, go out and stand on the mountain in the presence of the Lord, for the Lord is about to pass by. And then a great and powerful wind tore the mountains apart and shattered the rocks before the Lord, but the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind, there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake came a fire, but the Lord wasn't in the fire either. But after the fire came, and some of you know this, a gentle whisper. And when Elijah heard it, he pulled his cloak over his face, because no one could see the Lord and live and went out and stood at the mouth of the cave. I think for some, some of us in our life, we can't hear from God because there's simply too much noise. We're, and, or we're listening for the wrong thing. Friends, the voice of God, we believe, and Scripture teaches us, the voice of God is a still and small voice more often than it is going to be a loud trumpeting one. There'll be a moment in time when we'll hear trumpets, but it's probably not this day. Read Revelation and learn a little bit more about what that's going to look like. But I wonder for some of us, one of the primary things about hearing the voice of God is that we need to not, not, not listen for the loud, for the, for the super significant, for the impressive moments, the dramatic moments in time. Instead, friends, when it comes to hearing the voice of God, we need to tune our ear 
as far as Elijah's experience was concerned, we need to tune our ear for the still, small voice. And so quite practically, what does that look like? It looks like clearing the noise from our life. It's, it's the willingness to take moments to be still. It's the willingness to take moments to sit and listen to what's going on, to reflect on what's been happening in our life, to think. And it's when we stop receiving information from the world that we get the opportunity to receive something from God. And to get quite practical, if you've never heard the voice of God before, sometimes it comes as an impression. Sometimes it comes as an idea that cuts across. This is the one that's most familiar to me, is in the still, quiet places when I'm thinking about something. An idea cuts across my thoughts that's something completely different. Anyone ever had that experience before? For me, that's my experience of hearing the voice of God most of the time is that it's an idea that cuts across something I've already been, I was thinking, totally unrelated, out of absolutely nowhere. Sometimes I listen, sometimes I don't. Sometimes I treat it like a distraction. But in my experience, it's in the still, quiet places that I hear the still, small voice of God. For many of us, we want to, we want to understand how to hear from God for, for a very specific reason. And I I think it's helpful to understand the reason we want to hear from God to help us understand how to hear from God. Because oftentimes we want to hear from God with regards to how to do the right thing. That's a moral question, isn't it? It's a question of, God, how do I do the right thing? How do I live a moral life? How do I do what's ethical in this moment? How do I live out this next step in a way that's consistent with you. And it's when we understand we've got a question of morality, we understand that with regards to the moral imperatives of our world, God has already spoken. God has already spoken through his scriptures. God has already spoken through the witness of the New and Old Testament, through the prophets, through Jesus himself. And it's when we realize that, that it actually leaves us with less questions than we might think. We might not like the answers, but if we're honest, God has already spoken about a great many things that we could possibly have questions of him about in the world. If we look at Hebrews uh, chapter 1, there it is. Hebrews chapter 1, the author of Hebrews, they think it might be the Apostle Paul, but they're not sure. He writes, in the past, God spoke to our ancestors, so talking Old Testament, through the prophets at many times and in various ways. But in these last days, so after Jesus, but before the final end of days, in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son, that is by Jesus the Christ, whom he appointed heir over all things and through whom Also, he made the entire universe. The sun is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his, that is God's being, sustaining all things by his powerful word. After he had provided purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty in heaven. So he became as much superior to the angels as the name he has inherited is superior 
to theirs. So what Paul, the author, offers us in terms of understanding is that in the past, God spoke through the prophets, God spoke in in a whole bunch of different ways that are so far removed from us in many ways that it's hard to make heads and tails of it. But what he offers in contrast to that is he says, all right, well, if that's the way it worked back then, let me at least offer you this, that God has come to earth in in Jesus the Christ. And that what Jesus said, the the testimonies that we have, the eyewitness accounts of his life, his ministry, his teachings, are what we get to look to as as the New Testament church to understand God's position on a great many things in this life. You want to know whether it's the right thing to kill someone? Ask Jesus what he said. What did he say? Well, that's not good, but don't hate anyone either. Because hate is the heart issue that leads to murder. And when we look at what Jesus says through the Sermon on the Mount and a whole places like, bunch of places like that, what we discover is the way that God has already spoken to us on the matters of the heart that matter most to our behavior in the world. So friends, if you're going to ask me a question about whether it's right or wrong to do this or that, I'm going to say, what did Jesus say? Have you looked? Have you understood have you taken time to discover? Because I think sometimes we, we sit there banging our hands on the bed, on our knees, saying, God, would you give me direction in this place? And he's saying, it's right there on that Bible that's open in front of you. Have a look. I've already spoken. And so on issues of morality, we find that for the vast majority of time, God has already spoken. And the other thing that we already know God has said is regarding his providence. When we have questions in our life of God and we need to hear from him about what he's done, what he's going to do, how he's going to act, what we can expect of him, do you know what's really cool? Is God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Do you remember we talked about the characteristics of God? What was one of them? He's faithful. And he keeps his promises, which means when he's promised to do something, our entire faith is built upon the ability to understand and trust that God is faithful to his promises. And so when he promised to do something, when he promised to be there with you, when he promised to offer you salvation regardless of your behavior, those promises are good. And so when we are in need of of assurance, when we need to hear God's voice, when we need to hear something from Him to say, Are we okay? What did He say? He said, If you trust me, we're good. If you believe in the one that I sent, Jesus the Christ, we're good. I don't need to say any more about it, says God. All you need to do is listen and be reminded and reflect on it, and realize I've already said all there is to say, and there's nothing more you need to hear than to know that I love you, and I said I'd save you, so I will. I said your behavior doesn't matter when you trust Jesus. I won't hold that against you. There might still be consequences. Jesus was clear on that, but before God, in terms of salvation issues, we're good. So when it comes to morality, when it comes to providence, when we're asking God for a question, we're asking God a question of, and we're inviting him to speak, I'm convinced, and this is my experience, most of the time, he already has. And instead, we need to to stop and to think, even to ask someone, where is it that I can see and find and understand 
the answers to this. But the question becomes, hey, well, Josh, that's really good. But what about when Scripture doesn't mention it, like Facebook or Instagram or the voice to Parliament or a bunch of other things that we might say, well, it doesn't, it's, it's like it's not in the footnotes of how I'm, what, what I'm meant to do, like how many hours I'm meant to, to spend doing this or that. Or, it's, it's just not super, super clear. Scripture doesn't cover it directly. So does that mean God is silent on the issue? What do I do with that? Well, when we encounter a situation like that, see, I I promised you I was going to be flying through this stuff. When we encounter a situation where it's it's not specific, like like as I said, like Facebook or things like that, doesn't appear in Scripture. So, what do we do with that? Well, when we encounter a situation like that, what we're called to do is we're called to understand that Scripture doesn't actually talk in specifics as often as it talks in principles. Like the Apostle Paul applies a bunch of the teachings of Jesus. That's what most of the New Testament is, is it's letters to churches with the Apostle Paul who had a long chat with Jesus face to face in his resurrected form. How it is that they apply the teachings of Jesus in the New Testament context of the church. So most of the, all the letters are basically application in many ways, a bit of theology, a bit of understanding in there in Romans. But that's what it is. But when Jesus taught, Jesus taught in revelation of principles, which means most often there is, an, there is a principle within Scripture somewhere that talks of the base understanding of where it is we need to put our priorities, of how we need to apply it. And in, in 2 Timothy three sixteen and 17, we read this. The bookmark's gone. That's awesome. Let's find it ourselves. Where is it? It's over here. 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17. It's probably on the screen, isn't it? Great. Um, All Scripture, this is the Apostle Paul writing to Timothy, a young pastor. All Scripture is God-breathed. And is useful for teaching, for rebuking, for correcting and training in righteousness. So that the servant of God, that's you and me, may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. Friends, we can have confidence in the scriptures and what they've got to say, the principles we can draw from them. Because we believe they're inspired by the Holy Spirit, written by human hands. But inspired by the Holy Spirit. Because how could it be that 66 Different pieces of writing written across more than two and a half thousand years could hold together, I'm going to need that later, could hold together one consistent narrative of the God of the universe and his interaction with humanity and what he's done to save the world. How could it be that there is one consistent narrative across all those variables except that there is one author, the spirit of the living God? And so we can trust it. But when we are reading Scripture, trying to understand it, we, don't, we can't just draw on one place, bring our ideas into a passage. Instead, we're called to see where it is it's addressed elsewhere, because Scripture, as I said, doesn't contradict itself. There's many atheists, there's many folks that want to challenge the authority of Scripture and offer that it does. 
that it does contradict itself in different ways, but it doesn't. It doesn't. On the things that matter the most, on the core principles, it does not contradict itself. So what is, where else is the idea that you're asking about addressed? Where, what do other authors within Scripture have to say about it? Did Jesus speak or teach on it directly? Does Paul apply or expound it in a more significant way? And if you're not sure, ask me. I went to Bible college, which means I've just got, all it means is I've got a four-year head start on understanding a little bit more of what this has to say to us, how it fits together. And more often than not, there is something that we can look to that offers us something significant. Another thing that's helpful as we keep moving through, another thing that's helpful for hearing the voice of God is understanding that our life is not to be done as a silo. Nowhere in anywhere in Scripture... Is there the inference in any way that faith is an us and God alone issue? Is that news to you? I hope not. Because part of faith is us and God. That's the salvation thing. But the rest of faith is us and everyone else. We're created to do life in community. We're created to do life together with others, which means when we're trying to hear and trying to understand what God might want to say to us in a specific moment in time, it could just be that God is going to bring around us people of wisdom, people of significance, people like our spouse that we haven't listened to for I don't know how many years so far, but maybe God's going to use your wife or your husband's nagging voice to tell you what you need to hear in a moment in time. Friends, we don't have a solo faith, which means why is it that we just, when we want to hear what God has to say about something, we're so quick to dismiss the wisdom of those around us. If the Holy Spirit is in someone near you, then they have the ability to speak into your life in a significant way. This doesn't mean that we listen to everybody about everything, because you and I, we're sinful too. And so it means that we might have a bias, we might have an agenda, we might have something that we're not aware of that's hindering the Spirit speaking through us, offering wisdom. But when we need to hear something of what God wants to say to us, sometimes we just need to get in community with some people that we love and trust, some people that have been around the, the sun a few more times than we have, seen a few more summers, had some similar experiences. Because it's when we get with those people that we might discover that there's something that God wants to say to us. Moses had the very same experience in Exodus 18. He's trying to figure out how to administer, how to, how to, how to, uh, to adjudicate all the drama that the people of God, the nation of Israel at that time were having. He, they're journeying through the desert. They're whining. They're complaining. They're having issues. Like, they're people. People trying to figure out who they are as God's people. And so it's his responsibility to adjudicate everything that's going on. And his father-in-law Jethro comes to see him and he's like, actually no, Moses goes to see him. And Moses is like, I'm burning out, man. I don't know what to do. Like, these people have got so many, dr- so many issues. No pastor's ever said that, by the way. Like, that's just not what we say. What do I do? And Jethro says, well... Why don't you find some other people to help you? (laughs) There's plenty of wise people around. 
Look for some people that are godly. Look for some people that are, signi- that are significant, that are well-respected. And then let's group them up. Let's have some people that are, can adjudicate over a thousand people and then some, some judges over hundreds and fifties and tens based on their wisdom and their ability. Let's sort this out. Now Moses had the anointing of God. He was, he was the guy. Yet he couldn't figure that, on, that out on his own. He needed his father-in-law's input. He needed someone of wisdom, someone of insight to offer a way forward. And I, I believe, like why is that not the voice of God into his life in that moment? The voice of wisdom, offering him a perspective. So maybe in your journey of hearing the voice of God, maybe what God wants to say to you today is, I've been speaking, I've been speaking through someone else. Maybe it's just time you need to listen to them. Maybe it's time for you to get some people around you. As bringing up teenagers, we understand, or even any, any young people, we understand that they're friends to impact the trajectory and quality of, of their life, don't we? We know that, don't we? When you see a young person get in with the wrong crowd, we do everything in our power to relieve them of that pressure, to, to take them out of it, to do something. So we understand this principle for young people. Do you know it's, it's true for you and me too? The friends we have around us in our journey of faith impact the trajectory and quality of our journey of faith. So maybe... If you're struggling to hear the voice of God in your life, maybe, just maybe, you need to get around some people who've got some wisdom and listen to what they've got to say. And as I said, don't necessarily take it at face value, but invite their perspective. Weigh it against Scripture. Talk to me about it. One of the elders from church, piece it all together and you might find that God has been screaming at you with a still small voice, of course. There's something he's been trying to say, and all, all you, you've been saying it through the people you love. It was just time to listen. God speaks to us through the Holy Spirit. We know this. But the one thing I think so often we need to be reminded about the voice of the Holy Spirit in our life is so often, as I said, it becomes as a prompting, an idea, a conscience, maybe people describe it as. It's a bit nebulous. It's a bit hard to box, and I think that's a good thing. Because if we box it, it means we understand it. And I'd love to think that God's bigger than me. Don't you? (laughs) And so sometimes what we need to listen to is the voice of God through the Holy Spirit. A voice of God that is an encourager. A voice of God that speaks life over you. Did you know that that God will never shame you? God will never guilt you? God will never bring you to a place where you feel worthless? The voices in your mind speaking those things, that's not God. That's not the Holy Spirit. Do you know what the Holy Spirit speaks into your heart? Jesus calls it the advocate. What does an advocate do? It comes alongside you. It encourages you. It calls you into something better, something more significant, something more wonderful. The Holy Spirit speaks to you and says, that one hurt, didn't it? You're made for more than that. Come on, let's get going again. Sometimes we need, when we need to hear from God, what we need is some encouragement. And, and maybe we've been listening to the wrong voices, the ones that say, you screwed it up again. See, you're worthless. See, you're not worth their attention. See, you're not worth their time. No wonder he left you. No wonder whatever that looks like, that ain't the voice of God. Maybe we need to listen to less of that 
and remember that God does speak through the Holy Spirit and that gift is one that one promises to be wherever we are, but two is the one that speaks encouragement, hope, life, meaning, and significance to you. And if you've been listening to too many of the wrong, the wrong voices in, in our head, we get beaten down. And so maybe for you this morning, it's stop dismissing the good stuff and listen to the bad stuff, and instead, listen to the good stuff. And in Jesus' name, declare the bad stuff has no power over you. God speaks to you through the Holy Spirit. How are we going for time? Nearly time to wrap up. As I was reflecting on other ways that God chooses to speak to us, the one that I didn't like, that I wanted to skip over, but I need to say it, is God speaks to us through pain. Sometimes the the painful things of our life are an opportunity for God to communicate to us something really significant. Sometimes it's just simply to realize that that road is not the right road. You've had five flat tires in a week. Choose a different road. You know what I'm saying? Like it's sometimes that's just simply the way God wants to communicate to you. It's like how many times do you have to punch the wall before you realize there's a door? Right? That's a trite way of saying it, but so often in our life, pain is an opportunity for God to communicate something significant. In um, John 16, 33, Jesus tells us, John 16, 33, Jesus tells us, a time is coming, in fact, has come when you will be scattered each to your own home. You will leave me all alone, yet I'm not alone. My Father is with, with, with me. And he goes on to say, I have told you all these things so that in me you ha- may have peace. In this world, you will have trouble. You will encounter pain. But do not despair. Why? Because I have overcome the world. Jesus says, we are going to experience pain in this life. But so often that pain You don't need to be afraid of it as much as we are to perhaps consider how God's conquering of that pain in your life could be significant. James offers a really cool perspective. James, the brother of Jesus, offers a really cool perspective on this. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, he says. Whenever you face trials of many kinds, why? Because you know that testing of your faith produces perseverance. And let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. When we encounter those trials, it offers us something that God might be wanting to do or to say or to offer into our life, that he can't get our attention any other way. Sometimes that's the discipline of parenting, isn't it? Sometimes we inflict discomfort, let's be honest, let's call it what it is, it's inflict pain upon our children to make them listen. Now, I don't believe God is, is more wonderful and more, more mysterious. I don't believe God inflicts pain on us, but he uses pain and discomfort. And so it's like for children in this era, we inflict or we leverage discomfort by taking away the iPad so they don't get to play their games on it. We, 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 
We cause discomfort to force a child to pay attention. I believe God being a bit holier than we are, instead of causing discomfort in our life, might allow it and use it for his glory, for his good, to help us see something we can't seem to see any other way. I partly, part of me believes that this is why faith struggles in affluent areas. Christianity struggles in affluent areas as opposed to, to thriving in areas of war, in areas of famine, in areas where they've got nothing else to hold on to except to turn to God. But when in our life, when we're not, just, when we're not uncomfortable, we can more or less do life without God, we think. And I wonder sometimes God wants, is speaking to us through our pain. The last thing, the last thing that I wanted to touch on was quite simply Jesus' invitation. When we stand before God and we're asking him the question, what do you want me to do? How do you want me to live? How, what, which direction? Which job am I meant to choose? How does that all fit together? Sometimes it's not clear what the choice is. And in those moments in time, I believe there is a simple response. And it was what Jesus asked of his disciples when he recruited every single one of them. What did he say? Follow me. Follow me. Sometimes all that we can do is the next right thing. Sometimes all that we've got available, the only insight we have is to take the next step of integrity in following Jesus and then ask God to show us the step after that. Sometimes it's not until we step around the corner of the unknown that we see a bigger picture. And if we'd seen the bigger picture, we might have never stepped there in the first place. See, God knew it. And all he ever does is ask us to follow him. Ask us to follow him and to live out that one thing, the platinum rule that Jesus commanded his disciples. Love one another. How? Whenever it's convenient. Whenever you feel like it. Nah, that's not it. Love one another as I have loved you. That's the call. That's, that's what it means. When you're not sure what else to say or do, love others as God first loved you. That even rhymes. That's fun. When you don't know what's next, when God, you can't seem to, you can't seem to hear anything else, God's calling is to take the next step. And sometimes... If I'm honest, and in my experience, this is speaking more from the Gospel of Josh in this way. I think for some of us, there is no right or wrong choice. There's just a choice. There's just a choice. And I know certainly for some young people in our community, they're struggling with what to do with year 12 and how do you, you know, what, what career am I going to choose for the next 45 years of my life before I retire? Good luck having that sort of wisdom at 16. I've changed careers three times now. And I'm only 37. Sometimes there's just a choice, friends. Sometimes it's just a step. Make a decision. And do you know what the really cool thing is? That on the other side of that decision, there is a promise. 
Romans 8, 28. For we know that God works in all things for good. For those who love him and are called according to his purpose. What does that mean? It means that when you in good faith take a step with Jesus at the center of your life, God will use it no matter what. That's a promise worth banking on in my opinion. So when the anxiety gets high, when you're desperate to hear God's voice and you can't, or you, you can't discern it, the calling is simply to take the next step in following Jesus. And when we do, God will use it for good. Even when we didn't have all the information, even when we didn't know something that would, would have been helpful, God will use it for good, for his glory and for his purposes. So there's a bit of a tour of what it means to hear from God. I hope something in that offers something for you of the question you brought here this morning that you needed God's answer for, that maybe there's something in this that offers something for you in how to hear well God's voice in your life. Let's pray together. Loving God, I thank you. I thank you that your scriptures has offered us in many ways no doubt over a stack of different things in our life. And, and Lord, I thank you for the opportunity to, to think through all of this. And Lord, whilst it might not feel super inspirational, Lord, I, f- I, I pray that all that we offer this morning would be helpful in answering the big questions of our life of what do you want us to do? Where do you want us to go? How do you want us to respond? And Lord, I am so grateful for that over a great many things you have already spoken. Give us the wisdom to know how to discover that truth. May your spirit prompt us. May you bring around us the people that we need to encourage, to speak wisdom, to speak hope, to speak life. And Lord, above all else, we don't know what to say or do. May we love others the way you first loved us. And remember when that's at our center, whatever we do, you will use for good. Thank you for that promise. May that guide us, comfort us, and encourage us this day as we hear your voice afresh. In your name we pray. Amen. Well, thanks once again for joining us. If this service has been a blessing to you, why not share it with someone you know, or better yet, post it on your social feed because you never know how God might use what you share to bless someone you didn't even know needed it. Special thank you if you contribute towards making this ministry possible. We are so grateful. If you'd like to help, head to gawleyuniting.org.au and follow the links to begin giving. God bless you and we'll see you next time.